morning folks we are gathered here today on this wonderful sunday <laughs> to have an in-depth discussion about the amish abuse awareness meeting that was an interesting meeting huh chris oh and welcome back chris sorry yes. say hi chris hello everyone that was definitely interesting if that's the word you want to use <laughs> A little bit, huh? Uh, uh, that that was a traumatic meeting for all involved. You think so? I think so. I think so. Well, I mean, I do want to point out we were a little bit disobedient in that we went to that and, you know, we were, I was clearly not welcome there. I, I was perfectly welcomed. I know, but you also were head covering and you dressed plain, like, you know, you were still going to the charity church. And <laughs> I just was like, I'm being me. I, I don't have anything to hide. I'm me. I'm here. They, they fear you. What makes you say that? Well, th that's why I say there was trauma for everyone involved. Because you are no longer trying to be the quiet submissive obedient woman and you have no qualms about speaking your truth and so they fear you well and let me just tell everybody here <laughs> first off i tried to be that quiet submissive woman i tried when i was a child i tried when i was 18 i tried when i was 19 and i'm just gonna tell everybody i made a very bad amish woman that's that's really it, it it's really it's not me so there's that but why would you be afraid of somebody speaking their truth or representing their truth or being their own person like to me that's like yes i get the amish mentality but it's mind-boggling like what is it about that person being who they really are that is so terrifying to you you go against what they want the the victims to be 
you show victims there are another way to go about it. You are not what they want their victims to be. Remember when I said I made a bad Amish woman? Yes. I still make a very bad Amish woman. <laughs> I'm just not it. Oh. There is nothing within me that felt compelled to one, like I, I realized this like when I when I walked in. Um and somebody got right in my face and was like, who are you? Are you with the media? What are you doing here? And then he said, well, this is a closed event. And I said, well, that's not what your flyer says. It says it's open to the public. So if you have an open to the public event and you harass people who don't conform to your standards, that's a little bit much, don't you think? Well, and then the lady sitting behind us had to go to the back because that Mary Byler was there. Got to keep an eye on me. Yes. Got to make sure. We got to watch her. Oh, boy. That Mary Byler has arrived. That. Remember when I talk about how victims are labeled and they're always known? I'm that Mary Byler. I have that label. You can't even uh, go to a conference like that and just pleasantly come to sit there. No. Because you are immediately recognized as that Mary Byler. And so what they did is they sent the guy out to like really talk to me. And I, I took, let me tell you what I did. I took three pictures of straw hats, by the way. Oh, and no. I had somebody in my face, and they closed the doors on the conference. It was great. But I digress. That's whatever. I just don't think that's an appropriate way to treat people when they show up to your public conference. Well, and there was no one for it to be public in the first place. Exactly. And, like, at the end of the day, it was a public place. They said it was public. It's public on their flyer. So you don't harass the people who attend that you may wonder if they understand you, but there's no need for you to approach them four different times and even like have this whole like, oh, my God, if you're here, you must be with the media. Well, I don't see a reason that the English would be interested in it is a phrase we actually heard. See, but child sex abuse is a problem, and it's a problem not just within the Amish community. It's a problem in communities around the world. So why would they not be interested in it? Right. But it was the whole mentality. What, what stands out most to you after this conference? Well, there was a point... During the Q&A section where I really just, I am aghast and appalled at the answer to some of the questions because the questions that were asked were very indicative of people wanting to know how to do better with their Amish children. And one of the things was, um, well, about reporting. They had asked about not reporting Yes, it was about reporting. Like, when, when do we report? And they said, Does Ashmo Nimshin Nikmi 
There's three The first shots. time you take it to the church. Yes. And Snackschmull. Oh, and they said, Mushnet to the law, Nemo. Right. You don't have to take it to the law, they said. And when Vanabas evil and evil and evil do it, Vanemsh to the law. When somebody does it over and over and over again, then you take it to the law. And that was really traumatic to hear because that is like they're trying to br bring awareness to this issue, but they're putting out inappropriate information and inconsistent with the laws in the U.S. Well, inconsistent with what that lady was even there telling them about being mandated reporters. Yes. And that just. I was, I, I have no idea how I was silent through all of that because like at the end of the day, like, and, and I really wasn't, I was really, really, really upset because how do you sit there and you say you take it to the church, but you don't report it to the law? What tools do the, does the ministry have? What education do they have about trauma-informed practices? What resources do they have? Do they have access to a state-approved sex offender rehabilitation program? No. Do they have access to make sure that these perpetrators do not have access to children? Well, no, they don't even want to do that. Do they have access to um, trauma-certified, like child psychologists and psych no. psychiatrists who can provide appropriate therapy for the victims and no. vice versa for the perpetrators? No. So that to me, like, really stood out as in, like, it kind of makes me feel like I could summarize this whole conference into, like, a sentence or two, which is basically, so we hear all about how awful it is for the perpetrators, how afraid they are to go to prison, and how bad it is in prison, and how a woman shall be silent. That's another question, is they asked why why did you not have victims speak and they said well that's easy the bible tells us so the, the woman's supposed to be silent this is not a church this is not a church service this is a meeting about abuse awareness so explain to me why a victim could not speak. And that's not only that, there are male victims of sexual assault, which brings me to another thing that really stood out, which was the, the at one point, one of the speakers had told the entire audience that the um, perpetrators are always abuse victims. And I am here to tell you that is a lie. That is not true. And that is a lie. Some perpetrators have been abuse victims first, and some have not. But that is a straight lie. So not only did they silence male victims, they also silenced women victims or children victims. Yes. Um, was there anything specific that, that made you uncomfortable that you'd like to talk about? Well, besides the blatant attempts at intimidating me to leave. 
Let me talk about the subtle undertones of victim silencing that were present throughout the entire day. Um, it was varying degrees, but I wrote it down um, in a note, and there was like multiple times that things were said that were like, okay, so one was they said, the the woman has to let it go. Um, um, you have to pray? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's ex how you translate that. You, you have to pray. And I'm telling you, you cannot just, it, there is no way when you went through so much trauma and it rewires your brain and it, it literally has been proven that when children go through repeated trauma, what happens is that the brain shifts things around to keep them alive. And so when that happens, it doesn't go away by praying. It doesn't go away just by letting it go. And the other one, I think we kind of talked about the other one a little bit, was the I challenge victims to go home and in seven days bury their saha, which saha translated means things. But when you put it in the context of what he was saying, what he was saying is a bury your abuse. That's yeah. the real message. Put it in the ground, he said. Yeah. in the ground too. So that was something that was really unhelpful, I feel, for the victims, the the attempts, because yes, the perpetrator that spoke, um, he did make the point that I had all this support from the Amish community. Where was the support for the victims? And and that's a really valid point. And he was the only one that made that point. That was the only one that made that point. But we also heard his whole story of how he was so terrified of prison and how he had this trigger and how like he wasn't a, he couldn't tell anybody in prison what he was in for because they don't take kindly to pedophiles. But then yeah, but he, he asked, didn't say that word. He, you know. he didn't say that word, but that's yeah. the message. Um, so do I think we needed to hear from him about his prison experience? No. I didn't need to hear that. Matter of fact, I don't, I, I just don't need to hear that. Because here's the thing, on the other side of the fence, you have the victim who is sitting there and one, they see the community supporting the perpetrator. They see the community showing up for the perpetrator. They see the community telling them to be silent. To bury their hurts, to bury their saha things, um, they see all of that, and and that's not helpful to the victims. That says to sends a really strong message to the victims that they are not worthy of even the most minimal support, minimal, minimal. Well, and I think also hearing from a perpetrator gives certain feelings to victims that aren't there if you're hearing from people who aren't perpetrators. Yes. Is there any advice or suggestions that you would give 
the people running these abuse awareness <laughs> meetings. I have pages. We'll be here all day. <laughs> I think the thing that stands out to me the most is number one, if you want to raise awareness about how to treat perpetrators, have a separate, separate that from the whatever you want to talk about with victims. One, just separate the two. Do not try to commingle the two because that sends the wrong message. So for example, if you're going to talk about perpetrators, you have one half of the conference be about perpetrators and the other half of your meeting is about victims and how to support them. Period. Stop trying to conglomerate it all into this one big mess because that's really what it comes out as. It's a big mess. And I find myself asking myself, was this conference to promote abuse or to silence victims or what? Was there supposed to be an element of prevention there? Because I'm confused. Well, it didn't say prevention. It said abuse awareness. So what are we becoming aware of? That victims need to be silenced? We don't want our perpetrators to go to prison? Is that the message you were trying to send? It's the message that seems to have gotten sent. But is that what you guys were trying to send? I'm asking you. I truly do not understand this. Well, it does say underneath abuse awareness feeding, it does say prevention and restoration. Though I don't think the prevention was focused on much. It was more the, the restoration of the abusers. Yeah, that message got lost. If that message was present, it got lost. That's not the message that was sent. So I, I would highly suggest that if you want to do that, that's fine. You want to have, um, you know, a perpetrator come speak. You want to talk about prison and the laws and all of those things, then separate it. How to handle perpetrators, separate it. And again, actually have a section that specifically talks to victims and how you can support them. So another thing is like, um, and, and I'm kind of working on this. We here at like the Misfit Amish have been working on this where we're going to create um, terms, terminology, because there's a lot of terminology that comes into play when you have reported sex offenders and Amish people do not necessarily understand the terminology. So we're working on defining those terms and that will be available and published on our website pretty soon so that people can um, print them and hand them out to, to people or they can just go and read it and understand like these are the terms, this is what this means. Like, for example, what's a perpetrator? Do they even know what that is? Did you know when you were playing, Chris? No, no. I wouldn't okay. have known what that big word was supposed to mean. Um, what's mandated reporting? I, I, yeah, I didn't know anything that even that it even existed when I was playing. So mandated reporting for those who don't know is people who are in positions like child care providers, pastors, um, and pastors can vary or ministry can vary by the state that you live in. But in many states, they have passed a law where it's mandatory for pastors to and ministry to report. And that means every single time. It does not mean that the perpetrator offends three times and has 
three offenses before you report it. It every single time. That's what that means. And if you don't report, you can get in trouble. You can be charged for being a mandated reporter and failing to report or aid a victim. So that's something that I feel really needs to be defined for them because school teachers, Amish school teachers are mandated reporters. And do they know that they are required to report it to the law every single time? They would probably think they're, they have to report it to the church. No, I'm telling you, mandated reporters have right. to report it to the law every single time. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no option. You can't opt out of it. There's no religious exemption from it. There's no nothing. It is across the board. Every American citizen that is a mandated reporter is required to report every single time. I, I think it's really important to to define these terms and to let them know exactly what they mean because, you know, the playing community is so used to the rules not applying to them. So they're not used to having to know what these rules mean because so many of them don't apply to them. You're not above the law. You're an Amish in America. The rules apply to you the same as they do to me. And if I know that somebody, because I work in healthcare, and I know that somebody has reported abuse to me, it's not up to me to determine if it's credible, if they're lying. It's not up to me. That is not up to me. It is my job to report it. To and let the, the law, law do their job. And let the law do their job. And the law is supposed to open an investigation. And that yep. can take time. It can take months to do an appropriate investigation, and that's okay. Right. But your job in all of this and how you can help is by believing victims when they speak and by reporting it when they bring it to you. And especially if you're a mandated reporter, you can be charged. I want you to remember that. If you remember nothing else and you watch this, I want you to remember that you as an Amish school teacher or an Amish minister or bishop or deacon are brought allegations of abuse and you do not report it to the law. You can be charged. And you in can end up in the worst hell this side of hell. <laughs> and, and that is in most states. Right. And I know for a fact that in Pennsylvania, ministry are mandated reporters. So I'm going to let you know that. So, But if I sit here on these terms, Chris, we're going to be here all day talking right, about right. the terms. So let's just move on. Yeah. Another thing that I feel like they could really um, do better on is they could have bring in some like professionals to talk there. Because the other question I had running through me throughout the entire con conference, this meeting, was... What qualifies these people to speak on abuse? Do they have a lived experience? Have they sought therapy from a trauma-informed counselor? Have they went to school to learn about how trauma affects the brain? What do you think? They were men with an eighth grade education. So what qualifies them to speak? 
because they think they're qualified to speak. But that doesn't make, I, I can't just think that I'm qualified to speak as like, I can't sit here and say like, you, oh. Well, to give the Amish answer, it would be God told them to do it. This is, this is God's, you know. What if God's telling me to do this live stream and talk about this? Well, I don't know. You're a woman. And you know what women are supposed to do. Well, all I can say is what about all the examples of women who spoke in the Bible? Well. What about all the missing chapters from the Bible? Let's not even get into that. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. And, and another thing is, it's like. You could even bring in, like, you could bring in a child psychologist that is trained in trauma therapy to talk about, like, what you watch for. To talk about, like, how you can support victims. If you have a victim get up and talk about what helped them, that's, here's the thing about that, is that shared experience with you will literally show you, like, what can and can't help. And the thing about that is, is every person is different. And you have to remember this is just because something helped one person doesn't mean it's going to help every person. There's well, no and even if we're going to work inside their boundaries, we can find men to do all that. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, if, if they're if they're concerned about letting a woman speak, we can find men to cover all that areas. Yes, Absolutely. We can find men therapists. We can find men um, trauma therapists. We can find, you know, men who were victims. I personally know some men who were victims and have them speak. And also, like, please, please, can somebody define what is a sex offender registry and what is its purpose? Yes. Yeah, we need to yeah. do that too. And then another thing is, is like, so the claims that all perpetrators have been abused, I've kind of talked about that, but there's more that kind of tied into that. So there was a claim that a mother cleaning the, the baby boys when they changed the diaper causes things to harden. And that causes like Selbstbeflechtung. How do you translate? Oh, what's I'm the word? I'm trying not to yell. The word? the word is masturbation. Yes. Causes a young child to masturbate and then it's the mother's fault. And that's why you should circumcise your yes. children. And that, excuse me? That was, I think, one of the spots where I had the hardest part of being silent there. I did so well, but that one almost made me... No! No! And then another thing is, is like Flame said it's Satan's fault that child sex abuse happens. And here's the thing. You can call it a sin all you want. You can say that person was tempted by Satan all you want. But at the end of the day, child sex assault is a crime. It is punishable by law. It is not just a sin. It's a crime. Right. I mean, we'd be perfectly fine to put, put Satan in jail, too, if you can bring him to, to, to the bench. And, you know, that's fine. We can throw him in jail, too, if you can find him. 
but doing that takes away any accountability yeah. from the perpetrator. There's no accountability for the perpetrator of abuse. No, they, they're, they're a victim in it all. And then the whole conversation that they had about like how the, um, how Satan tells victims wrong things and hold on. Let me just, let me just back up for a minute. Why do you have a man talking about a woman view of abuse? Excuse me. Last time I checked, there are many women that are perfectly capable of explaining a woman's view of abuse. And the examples of the three daughters who had mental breakdowns and the sad part of that was is that their perpetrator was in the ground. Where yep. was your empathy for the victims? Where was your support for the victims? The, the whole thing was that restoration could not take place because the daughter's sitting in the grunt. The, the dad's already in the, the ground. But where was your support for the victims? Exactly. And why are you labeling victims as like mental? Oh, I know. All I'm saying is like, no, you don't do that. Don't do that to your victims. Don't do that to any victims. Here's the thing. They did not choose to be sexually assaulted. And the whole claims of like the clothes that you wear. Number one, that's an excuse. Number two, claiming that children have consented or they're like, um, what is the word called? You have to use the, the sentence where they, it's like you have to use this discernment. If the child was a part of it or if the victim was a part of it. Yeah, they basically said the victim was asking for it because, you know, she was showing leg or not being tight. Or she laughed and talked with men. Like, yes. Don't don't talk no. and laugh with the milkman, you know. No, that's that's unacceptable. Because here's the other thing about the laws. Let me give you a mind boggling statement. A child cannot consent. Children cannot consent. And it's never their fault. It is never, ever their fault. They did not ask for this. Their brain was rewired involuntarily by someone harming them. And now they have to live with the long-term effects of complex and chronic PTSD and about so many cases I can't even describe it but what happens is that they have triggers they have nightmares they can't sleep they have trouble functioning and those are the long-term effects of trauma on the body as a child there are people that have long-term health conditions me personally I have hypertension I've had it since my mid-20s I also have tachycardia and why do you think that is my doctor said probably because the trauma combined with my inbred Amish family. Yeah. Right. I mean. So, no, you don't do that to people. Just don't. How did you feel at the beginning versus now about all this? Well, at the beginning, I was like, well, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was.
That is literally what I thought. I'm going to go here. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. They're now doing this abuse awareness conference. And maybe they're, they've learned a few things. It's been 17 years. Maybe they've learned a few things. And how do I feel about it now? It's worse. It's worse. It brought all of it back. The body language intimidation. The subtle undertones. The double speak. The victims shall be silent. Women shall be silent. The entirety of like Amish woman body language and how they're required to be so submissive. And it reminds me of exactly why I couldn't function in that environment. Because I had no body autonomy. I had nothing that was me. Yes. It's easy for your brain as you get farther away to think you're overreacting. Yes. Would you go back and do this again? Yes. Because the thing is, is it makes me realize how front and centered I have to be. And I have to continue working on this. And I'm not saying that all Amish people are abusers by any means. What I am saying is when you get a group of people, there's going to be some bad people. And how we handle those bad people that harm children, I want you to think about the verse, the man who harms one of these little children. It would be better for him that you hang a millstone from his neck and you throw him into the deepest part of the sea than it is for him to be allowed to harm one of these children. So I ask you, Amish Abuse Awareness Conference people, whoever is putting this on, I ask you, I have a challenge for you. I challenge you in the next seven days to ask yourself, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? Because describing how terrible prison is and telling women and children to be silent and submissive is part of the problem. They need to cook in the spiegel. I need you to look in the mirror and figure out how you can be part of the solution. That's what I'm challenging you to. What would you say to the Amish that attended it? You know, not the ones that put it on that need to, you know, look, cook in the spiegel, look in the mirror, but yes. the ones that, that came to the meeting. I want you guys to know that we are working on this, that we are working on giving you access to appropriate tools. There are people out there that will help you. Your help does not always have to come from within the Amish community. And you deserve to have appropriate health care. And that includes mental health care, especially if you have been traumatized and you have been sexually assaulted as a child, you have been beaten as a child, you have been psychologically abandoned by your church after being abused. When you have watched your perpetrator receive all of the support from the church, you deserve the same support, if not more. You deserve support. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to have life. And your existence is valid. You have a right to all of those things. You have the right to live a happy life. You have the right to report people to the law and not just the ministry. 
And there's people outside that will stand by you yes, they during will. this. There are people that will go with you to report it. There are people that will sit there and hold your hand when you need them. There are people that will hear you. We hear you. We hear your silent cries. And we're here for you. We're trying to speak out for those who at this point don't feel that they can speak out for whatsoever reason. And I want each of you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. Nope. I promise you that. Are there any resources that you'd recommend? Well, I know that most, um, specifically in the state of Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, I know that each county has a crisis intervention center. And if you reach out as a rape victim or a sexual assault victim or a child abuse victim, you can get counseling for free through the crisis center. I also know that there is, um, there are people like me who will sit here and they will help you find local resources that you can use. So if you reach out to the Misfit Amish, um, we will help you find resources that are local to you that you can access. And that includes like mental health, whatever, what you need. Yeah, there's there's plenty of people out here who, who want to help. And, and we, you know, we will help. We will help you. We will find a way to make this work to where Amish children do not go through this and be, have to be silenced and just have to accept like whatever. And then they end up having mental breakdowns because nobody supports them. We will find and, and there's lots of good facilities that aren't plain facilities. Yes. That will help you work through things. When they have license. And, you know, they're state inspected and they're, they're actually accredited. Like there's, there's a big deal with that. So please reach out. Know you're not alone. And on that note, I think I'm going to cut this off. I, good. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you. Yep. You too. Thank you to our viewers, everybody. Have a good day.